For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller-Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Good evening. Welcome to today's Entrepreneur presented by FL Montreal, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar, along with not Josh Miller tonight, but Michael Newton, who's in for Josh. Welcome back, Michael. Hey, Dan. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Good, thank you. It's not very often I get to do two weeks in a row. so It's never happened, actually. It's not. You're right. Good to have you back. Nice to know you're paying attention. Uh, Josh is uh, still in Hong Kong. He's back next week yep. on a business trip. Mm -hmm. So uh, we'll talk about his trip and about uh, dealing with China and uh, sort of the uh, the emphasis that he always puts on um, on uh, basically uh, fostering business uh, internationally. So we'll get to that with uh, when Josh gets back next week. In the meantime, tonight, we have a returning champion. We yes. have uh, the Bad Monkeys from Bad Monkey Popcorn, Joseph and Fabio. Zapili on the program tonight. Yep. Uh, we profiled them a couple years ago, and uh, their business has just continued to explode. And you may have seen the product in supermarkets. Uh, they are everywhere now. They've gone across Canada. They're starting to go into the U.S., so uh, we have a big show of uh, everything from uh, trying to stretch it across Canada to some of the marketing angles. So there's a lot of good stuff to talk about tonight. It's a family business. So Mom is here as well, and uh, Micheline Mayette will talk about uh, family businesses and also communication within businesses and yep. uh, communicating between departments and memos and comms breakdowns internally and all that stuff. Uh, so good communication internally. Try, later try, in trying program. to avoid the silo mentality. Indeed, yeah, and that's tough. And uh, and we'll talk about problem resolution as well within families and lots more in the program tonight. But first, uh, as usual, news and notes. And let me start with this. Uh, this is my entrepreneurial advice question of the week. And we're now... Uh, uh, in my business, um, reopening our partnership agreement. Yeah. And now we have to rewrite some stuff and make sure everything is in line, prepare for growth. What are some common mistakes that people make in partnership agreements? And the, the probably the first one, because it's one of my best friends who's my business partner, uh, there's always been a level of trust there, never any issues whatsoever. And so we always assume that it's always going to be fine, and which is probably our first mistake. Right? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, your first mistake is probably not having an agreement in most cases. I think that's pretty much the traditional approach. It's yeah. all good. Uh, you know, the old adage of nobody ever gets married to get divorced, however, it does happen. Uh, and I think that you want to start to work through items and issues while everything is good between you, while you're, you're, you know, you're getting along. Uh, the last thing you want to try and do is negotiate an out clause when you're not talking to each other. Mm. What are some basics that we need in the agreement, some clauses or things to consider? You, you need to have uh, some of the traditional things revolve around, uh, I guess, some out clauses. If you have uh, shareholders, so if somebody is disabled, somebody dies, uh, you know, there are certain things. I mean, the last thing that most partners ever want to do is get involved with uh, their partner's family. And, you know, and sometimes they can be some of the uh, the most unfortunate situations of partner passes away. If you don't have a situation in terms of being able to buy them back, have the insurance in place to to buy them out, uh, you eventually uh, end up in business with the estate or even worse with the with the family. And that can be uh, pretty cumbersome. Mm. Uh, there was this piece in Financial Post that listed actually the top mistakes to avoid um, uh, when signing a lease agreement for your business. Let's let's go there now. Look, the lease is is like anything else. It's a contract, right? It, it, you, what you have to try and do is tie your contract not only to what the landlord wants, but the way your cycle of your business is. If you see yourself in two years or in five years with an, with an aggressive growth strategy, don't tie yourself into a 10-year lease in a small location. So you got to look at the flexibility. you got to look far enough down the road to make sure it makes sense. Uh, there's what they call tenant improvements. Uh, so ultimately, at the end of the day, there's an inducement that ends up being paid by the landlord or subsidized through rent or whatever the case is. Negotiate your 
your way through all of those. Uh, it's, you know, a lot of people take a lot of things for granted, think it's pretty standard. Uh, like anything in, in life, it's a contract and you can negotiate that contract. What about now in the current environment, especially in Montreal, the real estate market is kind of taking off now. Um, but commercial real estate, is it as hot in Montreal as residential or do you have some more negotiating power in commercial now? I, I firmly believe you have negotiating power at all times. I think it's a question of, you know, what you're trying to accomplish, where you want to go. Maybe it's the term, maybe it's the uh, the tenant inducements. Maybe it's, uh, you know, uh, how many feet that you, you need or don't need. Maybe it's a sublet clause. There's a number of things that you can do. Yeah, the market's hot. There's no doubt. Um, but I think what you're trying to do is is as much as you can personalize that and think far enough down the road that, that it makes sense. Remember, Montreal is also a little bit of an enigma in the sense that uh, we end up with a marketplace, we build new buildings, and not always do we bring in new business. We have a tendency of taking them away from some of the other buildings. So, you know, depending on how uh, fickle and how detailed and how important an address is to you, shop around. There are some Bs and B-minus buildings that are very, very uh, good, uh, very supportive, and can be significantly cheaper. I was going to say, uh, is the uh, is the market as hot commercially as it is residentially? Because when I look at, you know, especially uh, heading out to the suburbs, West Island, I mean, there's a lot of commercial space available. There's a lot of commercial space. Uh, I think especially the West Island at this point, with the uh, the whole train construction coming up, there's a lot of people panicking right now and trying to figure out how they're going to get into the city for the next couple of years. Uh, so I think a lot of the uh, the rental places, the WeWorks, uh, the Regis, a few of those... Uh, you know, work share type environments are, are heating up. Uh, but yeah, there's always space. And again, it's it's a question, uh, you know, surprisingly, the West Island and the South Shore, if you're close to uh, downtown, don't expect to see a 50% reduction in rate. I mean, a lot of people are paying to be close to home and they were willing to pay more, uh, shockingly. Mm. Uh, this is a human resources issue that I think is interesting uh, from HRD Magazine. So Human Resources Director Magazine, um, is archaic tech hurting your employee engagement? Um, what kinds of new tech tools uh, should people People be considering for uh, to manage their employees. Well, I think that you know everything from uh, you know depends on the type of business. But I mean, one thing you have to remember that you know sometimes having poor technology is worse than having no technology at all. Um, you know, the uh, there's security issues, there's privacy issues. Um, if you can provide the technology to uh, you know to 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 work faster or more efficiently. Um, and and you cannot, let's say you can't keep up with your competitor. I mean, ultimately, at the end of the day, that, that sacrifices the work environment. What are your thoughts on productivity tools? Uh, I'm thinking in particular Slack, Asana, uh, or others uh, that, uh, that sort of aim to improve communication within teams, but every time I use some of these tools, I find myself wasting more time than I'm saving. You know, it, 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 it's the old adage of, you know, you're, you're, you're spending more time doing more things and, and producing less output at the end of the day. And I think that's part of the problem that we're seeing is we spend so much time, uh, you know, you look at people on, on, on social media, you look at people in their phones. I mean, the technology has moved us forward. We're capable of doing so many more things. Ultimately, at the end of the day, I'm not sure the output becomes any more significant. Interesting piece in the Wall Street Journal, American factories demand white-collar education for blue-collar work. So this is a super interesting trend that we've covered before. You know, what happens when we automate all the blue-collar jobs? Uh, is there a plan in place, even within individual organizations, to keep people working? Yeah, this is, this is a really, really tough environment right now. I mean, it's not only happening in the factories. You're seeing this in office spaces. You've had loyal employees who have been with you 30, 35, 40 years who really are outdated from a technology perspective. And, you know, you want to reward 
or do you want to thank people for their loyalty, but you recognize they're not working at the same speed as everybody else? You need to have programs. You need to have the ability to try and up some technology and up the skill set. And the problem you've got in the manufacturing sector in the States is the more and more you go to a technology base, the more you need a higher education in order to do it. And, you know, we're creating, while we're trying to put more people to work, we're actually creating a bigger division. So what happens to a lot of those workers who are in places that are referred to as the Rust Belt in the States, for example, that uh, that are not being retrained uh, in this automated environment? Yeah, not to, not to plug television, but I was watching something last night that was specifically on that topic. And in terms of a lot of these locations where people, the factories get shut down, there is no other opportunity for them. Uh, they find themselves in some very desperate, sad situations. Uh, they were talking about how, you know, in the, in the rural areas, the suicide rates, the opioid use... Uh, is really becoming a major, major problem. And, you know, everybody likes to, uh, likes to think that, you know, if you live in the country, you're immune to all of that. Uh, it's a city problem. It's not a city problem. And a lot of it has to do with the lack of work and the lack of opportunities. Can you think of any companies that have been successful in transitioning the workforce like this? I mean, I'm thinking of Tesla, for example, that I know hire a lot of ex-auto employees to modernize their skills. You know, there are some bright spots out there. There are some bright spots. But I think, you know, if you're going to go look for a job, I think one of the things you want to do is, is get... get Again, it depends where you're coming from. Right? Coming from an educated perspective, you're going to look at things very differently. If you've grown up as a, the fourth generation coal miner in the family, it's very, very difficult. And, and you know, you're, you're seeing situations where we watch uh, U.S. politics, you watch Trump trying to support the coal industry, and, you know, there's such a dichotomy between what they're trying to produce and, and preserve and the technology that's out there. On CJD 800, coming up next, we welcome Joseph and Fabio Zapili back to the program from Bad Monkey Popcorn. They've been having uh, amazing growth in the last few years, and we'll talk about uh, their business uh, coming up next. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult FL Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Inspiring stories from outstanding business people, Dan Delmar and FL Montreal's Michael Newton in for Josh Miller this week. And uh, a rare time here at uh, Today's Entrepreneur. In 10 years, we welcome back very few entrepreneurs, but sometimes their stories are just so remarkable and their growth is just so uh, astounding that we have to welcome them back. And so that's the case tonight. Joseph and Fabio Zapili of Bad Monkey Popcorn. Welcome back, guys. It's our pleasure to be here. Thank you so awesome. much. Thank for you so us. much it's for such having us, honor. Guys. So last time, uh, a couple of years ago, you guys were, were rising pretty quickly. Uh, you're only at five years now, but tell us, t- take us through your journey from zero to how many employees now? Yeah, so right now we're about 53 uh, employees that work directly through uh, with Bad Monkey Popcorn, but we have actually a huge network across Canada that helps us get to the you know the products to the stores. Uh, so in the last you know four years, it's been ridiculous. We went literally from our kitchen table to now uh, thousands of grocery stores coast to coast. So that's that's been very exciting, challenging, tiring, but uh, ultimately uh, it's been amazing. Tell me about the product first. What is Bad Monkey Popcorn? So it's a, a fun, delicious snack that you can enjoy. Uh, we're officially vegan, super proud uh, to be vegan. Um, also a kosher product. Um, it's pretty much enjoyable for kids um, up till um, older folks. Yeah, when we started the company, we had this idea of having this kind of magic trilogy, if you will. We said, what if we made a product that had like the coolness factor of Red Bull, the price point of Walmart, and the quality of Starbucks? So from the beginning to... I mean, it's been, you know, sometimes it's a little bit more difficult, but we've been trying to maintain that trilogy from the beginning. 
And, and you're looking at uh, bringing on some new products. You're looking at uh, increasing the coverage under the the corporate umbrella, if you will. Yeah, 2020 is going to be a huge year for us. So not only are we going national, well, we're actually in the process of going national right now, but we're looking to expand into other, uh, you know, other types of foods that we feel we can shake up and put some fun into. You know, so there's, there's a lot of things. We'll keep it on the down low right now. What we're doing right <laughs> in terms of specific products, but okay. uh, really we're we're going to be doing some big things in 2020. What's the challenge of trying to take on new products? Yeah, like I said, like that that trilogy might sound kind of easy to say it, right? But then to keep that true uh, is tough. You know, there's de- there's demands on all sides. Uh, but at the end of the day, like our brand, it's it's a promise to our our consumers. The it's quality. A, yeah, it's a promise that's going to be a fair price. It's going to be a fun product, and it's going to taste really really good. So that's been our focus the entire time. And you're starting to move across Canada. Yeah, uh, how many how many? I mean, you're in all, every province across the country at this point. Yeah, we. I was just actually talking to Fab. We were we just came back from Vancouver, uh, another awesome uh, place here in Canada, and we were just saying is is, is marketing um, for Quebec is is amazing. But how do we do that in Vancouver? How do we do that in Toronto? Um, you know, and that was really the biggest challenge is how to how to do what we did here in Montreal and Quebec other places yeah you got to find ways to be creative right i mean at the end of the day you could throw a lot of money at, at a you know at a marketing plan but being creative is the best way to do it i think what worked for you guys in montreal and can you duplicate that elsewhere gorilla you know boots right really just go grassroots uh marketing uh taste testers festivals events we're lucky we're in montreal there's an event every day here so <laughs> yeah there's no there's no event anywhere whether it's in vancouver or halifax it's too small for us to go at the end of the day we want local people to taste our product you know we, we usually say like it's our little expression once they try it they buy it you know because it just tastes really good right um so it is a challenge getting out there into these small little communities and doing taste testers it takes time but we're in this for the long run i think this is you know uh, it's the only way to do it really these days there's a lot of white noise out there so to be known people have to know who you are so are you guys doing these grassroots sampling getting out there is it just the two of you or do you have a whole team now that's out on the road yeah thank god we have a, a team or else um i wouldn't be uh, <laughs> well the two of you are looking a, little, looking a little tired so <laughs> yeah, i'm yeah, asking yeah, the we, question we are we are but uh no we definitely have an amazing team and just like you guys at cjd it's it's really the team that's behind you and and we've you know strategically uh, we have an expression, you know, it's like um, we, we take our time when we hire somebody because we really want it to be like you're part of the family. So you're looking at a culture, you're looking at a fit. What are you looking for culture-wise? Yeah, somebody who is just going to have fun you know, when they're doing a tasting. It's simple as that. You know, let's say you're in a grocery store and, you know, there's folks walking right by you. We don't want someone to just hand the product. We want them to tell the story. Like, why why does Bad Monkey Popcorn exist? And perhaps ask them what, what are their favorite flavors and, you know, make it more of an experience, you know? So when we go to a store, for instance, we do a tasting, uh, you know, we'll bring, like, you know, music and, like, the mascot and we'll do the whole show. Like, we, that's, that's the whole thing of our company we're loud that's what we do but you guys are going from the ability to control your own message as owners to bringing new people on are you scripting for everybody how are you getting that same message out are you giving people kind of free will to sell yeah i think that's an that's an awesome question actually so that's basically yeah we we give them a general idea of what we would like them to you know express to the consumers (laughs) but at the end of the day they're going to make it their own. They're going to do what they feel is right in that moment, you know? So we give them the liberty to do whatever they want, obviously within the confines. of And we just things. also don't just hand off the football. We're yeah. really there hands-on. Uh, if Fabio or, or myself has to fly out uh, to wherever, whatever the cost is, we really want to be there for, for our team in Vancouver, uh, be there for our team in Ontario. So it's two years since you've been here, what's been the biggest struggle in the last two years? 
You want to take that one? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, there's been many, uh, to be honest. It's been keeping up with the demand. Um, so for us, you know, that sounds like everyone's like, oh, that's a great problem. But it, it really is a problem is, is keeping up with the a massive amounts of orders. We actually have to, you know, the, it's funny to say, but we have to actually say no to some people where we can't service you. And then we're talking contracts um, in the hundreds of thousands where we have to say right now we can't handle it and we have to move on. Are you having a hard time keeping up to the brand? you've created um i wouldn't say keep up with the brand but like i said it's just keeping up making sure that quality stays because you know when you make a, a food for your family it's easy but try making food for 100 people it's, it's keeping that same quality and for me and fab we won't uh hinder on that quality it's number one in our in our minds we asked you guys this last time but what was the problem you found in the market how did you identify space in the popcorn business yeah, um, like we, we joked about this uh, when, we, when we were here last time, I think. You know, we didn't invent like the, the wheel, right? We just made like a cooler wheel. So when we look towards new products or even the product we're selling right now, we say, you know, well, how can we make it a little bit different? How can we, you know, put a little spin on something, you know? Um, so, yeah, it's, it's just about taking something old and freshing it up with some fun ideas. What do you, what's, your, what's your challenge now as you go across? Is it people? Is it demand? Is it image? What's your, what's your biggest obstacle? In yeah, front I mean, of you? like we touched on before, like our, our growth rate is, is ridiculous. I mean, it's like 7 to 11% per month in terms of like the revenue. So sometimes we do have to say no to certain clients. Mm -hmm. But I think, I think hiring is probably one of the most difficult things to do because, like my brother said before, you got to be careful with who you hire, right? Because they're representing not just a product, but they're, they're representing your brand and everything you stand it's for. It's like if you ever gone yeah. to a rest, an amazing restaurant and you had a bad waiter, yeah. then you're like, oh, the restaurant is terrible, but it's actually not the case. It's just you have to really be specific on, on who you're hiring. So I think hiring, my brother said, is perfect, is making sure we have the right team members. Do they consider this company like it's theirs? And that's what we're really looking for. Yeah. We've debated this on the show before, but uh, technical fit, like expertise and CV versus culture fit. Um, what's more important for you guys? CV doesn't, we don't even, honestly, I don't <laughs> even think I've looked at a CV in my life. <laughs> we, we literally, I'm not just, that's actually serious. We, we like, we stopped looking at CVs like a year ago. We wow. just invite the person in and uh, we have a conversation and we'll do some like role playing. Like what would you do in this situation? And based on how it goes that we make our decision right there, you know? And so right now we're, I think, I think we were at 53 exactly direct employees and we've made some pretty good choices along the way. Obviously we made some, some, uh, you know, less amazing choices, but overall it's been a great experience. Mike? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I look at the opportunity and obviously the Canadian market and the U.S. market are very different. I mean, the Canadian market, as much as the country is wide and vast, uh, the population moving into the U.S. Uh, you made a point to me earlier on when we were talking out front uh, about how you're ta tackling it piece by piece. Right, not uh, excuse the pun. I guess not biting off more than you can chew all yeah. at one time. Yeah. Uh, well, we, like, we always joke, like, but it's it's a true saying. Is we, we take city by city, and that that's been our, our strength is really going, uh, not spreading ourselves too thin, um, and that really is is really a tricky point. Yeah, we've got a lot of actual demand from the U.S. And we had this demand about a year ago, but we've kind of not done it up until just right now. Where we're starting to get into the U.S. because I, I didn't feel like we were ready. You know, like my brother was saying, we want to make sure that Canada is locked down and then we'll focus more uh, on the U.S. And the U.S. is go big or go home. And, right. and that's our model, too. So we're trying to uh, find the right fit. Right now, we have taken on some uh, U.S. clients, but more select uh, Cirque du Soleil, uh, you know, bigger clients like that. So you said before, sometimes you have to say no. How do you strategically decide who to say no to? It's so bad because me and Joe love saying yes. So <laughs> that's our thing. We love saying yes to everybody. Uh, but and sometimes we, we argue like I, I yeah. think we should have this client and he thinks we shouldn't. Um, at the end of the day, we look at, at first off, it has to be profitable. 
uh, you know, we're in a business, but it also has to be the right fit. Um, so I'd love to tell you which clients we told no, 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 no. to. But, but, when you, but when you say fit, are you talking that meets the brand that conveys the yeah, message? Yeah, like are they exactly, send? do they see it how we see it? Like are they just going to take our popcorn and hide, in the, hide it in the back somewhere? Or are they going to work with us and help, you know, help it get to, into consumers' hands? What are you looking for in a grocer who's going to sell your product? Are you looking for promises that they're going to put it in a prominent place? Are you thinking about, you know, eye level on the shelves? It's Yeah, I think it's you hit it right there. It's the place where are they going to put us in the store um, I'm not interested in in being in um, aisle two on the bottom with one facing you know we want a massive show a massive display and we have the clients to back it up so I think you know we it's a win-win for the grocer we also have a huge social media following now we could direct um, you know thousands of clients to your grocery store where otherwise they'd maybe go to another place Today's entrepreneur on CJD 800. We'll take a quick break, guys. On the way, we'll talk a bit more about marketing, uh, about some eight-star issues as well, and uh, problem solving your family business. Uh, how do you solve disputes? All that is coming up on the program. And later on, Michelin Mayette, HR specialist at FL, uh, on uh, how to set up some uh, internal communications policies for your business. That's all on the way. Today's entrepreneur on CJD 800. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller-Landau, Chartered Professional Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Welcome back to Today's Entrepreneur, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. Dan Delmar and FL Montreal's Mike Newton with you, in for Josh Miller. He's back next week. And uh, talking with uh, returning champions to Today's Entrepreneur, Joseph and Fabio Zappilli of Bad Monkey Popcorn. Uh, so guys, five years in business, exploding crazily all over the Canada, basically, coast to coast. Uh, elsewhere coming up soon as well. Uh, how did this all start? Just five years ago, you guys had completely different careers. Yeah, I, it was hilarious. I, I used to be a lawyer. And I not an amazing one, but I was a lawyer, <laughs> <laughs> and I was in I was in finance. And then Fab was like, "Why don't we just start our own company?" And I, I was kind of like, I, I didn't believe it. And then you know, we just went ahead and started. yeah, we were kind of in the right place, right time. We were just kind of both a little bit unhappy with what we were doing. We we knew there's a, a big potential to work together, especially. Uh, and uh, we as children, we loved popcorn. It was like a, kind of a thing we had at our house, you know. And and I was just always saying that we should work together um, and start a business. And so we were four boys. We were bad bad boys, and now we're uh, good monkeys. Yep. So you guys have probably a you know typical classic mission statement. Uh, you sit down <laughs> around the table. You brainstorm <laughs> a little bit. Uh, tell us about how that uh, well, that whole came about. Well, I, actually, yeah, it was funny because. I was always saying it's amazing to have a partner and that's why I'm happy to have a partner in this because, you know, even when we started, my brother was was in my condo um, and telling me um, I have a mission statement for our company. And I was like, wait a minute, Fab, we're in my condo. We have no business. What yeah. are we doing? Here? We're popping uh, popcorn on his stove. <laughs> yeah, we almost burned down my condo. Yeah, his wife is getting mad. But yeah, it, it's just honestly, I was saying it's, it's really important to have that 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 partner there to, to have your back. Um so you, you, you guys feed off each other on a regular basis? Oh, every day. And we were just talking about this. It's like the negativity. Some days I'll be negative and he'll turn me around or vice versa. Or, um, and it's really just controlling that that positive energy or negative energy. So what's, your, what's the biggest challenge as entrepreneurs with 53 staff and, and, and the attitude and the message that you're trying to send? So you, have, you have some days where you're just 
not in the mood. I mean, it happens to all of us at the end of the day. How do you deal with it? Yeah, when, look, when you come to work, uh, especially as the owner of the company, you have to realize that your attitude, your spirit, your energy affects everybody around you. So even if like, you know, certain clients aren't paying on time and there's all these issues that come up, you still have to put the front on that everything's fine, everything's great. Because you don't want that negativity to seep into the culture of the, uh, of the company, you know? So that's why, like my brother's saying, it's good to have a partner sometimes to, to lift you up when, you know, when things are a little bit more difficult. And separating family and business, which is kind of funny because it's a family business. Yeah, um, but so, we, when we come to work, it's yeah. like we don't we don't act like brothers. We don't talk about family things. Like literally, I don't think we ever talk about family no, stuff. No, it, it is business, but it, that's really the, the separation. Yeah. So what about problem solving? Uh, that can be tough with family businesses. Uh, what do you do to break a tie? Yeah. <laughs> we go see our mom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, there's a lot of yelling, a lot of screaming. No, but... Uh, also, we're Italian too, so just you know, talking loudly is part part of the game, right? Uh, but no, no. But seriously, I th there's no real tie. We just kind of both look at the you know we have a big giant whiteboard in our office, and we'll put literally old school style pros cons, go over the the benefits of each, and at the end of the day, we make a decision. If it, we don't know if it's the best decision, but we make a decision and, and we, we live we with it. We go back to yeah. it has to fit the brand, yeah, and and it has to be profitable. Um, you know, that's that's those are the two main things. Yeah. So let's go back to strategy, right? You 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 were pretty much. Uh, so we say locked up in Quebec for a while. You've reached out across the country. This, this is something that is, is a major endeavor. Um, how did you decide? Where did you decide to go? What was your objective? What are you trying to accomplish? Yeah. So, I mean, we have marketing, whether we're marketing in Quebec or in Vancouver, it's kind of a three-pronged approach. You got to you know who your, your client is. Yeah. And so like the first element is traditional media, right? So, I mean, you have to do some of that, right? So like, you know, radio, newspaper, billboard, things like that. So we will do that. So we'll set up billboards on the, on the major highways uh, into the cities, in, let's say in Halifax or whatever, any, anywhere in the country. The, the second one is more like online, right? So we'll do, you know, Facebook uh, contests, Instagram stuff, things like that, um, and, and maybe influencers as well. And then the third one, is kind of you know uh miscellaneous so we'll do like block parties we'll be involved with events and schools and charities and things like that so getting to know the community that we're getting entering. to know the community it, so when we find when we have those three prongs together that's basically the, the how we market uh, and, it, and it doesn't matter whether it's montreal or or vancouver so you'll use that same strategy as you move across and obviously the yeah. community build which i think has been really successful for you guys in terms of getting into the schools for fundraisers and and many other things this is something you think you can replicate across the country yeah that's our hope right i mean we're trying obviously you know we've you you know you don't know what's going to happen until you try right and i think we've been doing it very successfully so far so if you employed outside consultants from a marketing side, from a strategy perspective, or is this the brainchild of the two of you? Yeah, I always find it hard uh, hiring a, a quote-unquote marketing agency because a lot of them just want to ask for a check and then, you know, see you later. Uh, for us, really, it's, like I said, it's being involved in the community. So being involved in the local charities, being involved in the local events, um, you know, similar to here in Montreal. In Toronto, there's a many events that we could be at, women's show, baby shows. But it's really targeting um, the client that we're after, and knowing who that client is, and then just expanding. Social media, you have over 30,000 followers on both Facebook and Twitter. Uh, what's your secret there, and, and do you see it helping your sales? Yeah, we like to do fun stuff, right? So we like to do contests. We have a lot of great partners. We have like, you know, beer companies and makeup companies that work with us. And we love doing co-branding things too. We work with a lot of influencers. Uh, there's no magic recipe, but we just like to be out there. We, we say yes more often than we say no. 
pretty good reel for social media. Yeah. Yeah, I guess <laughs> I, that, that works pretty well. Yeah. Um, I mean, you never know, right, where people are going to come from. So, like, we'll work with certain influencers we just we just love, and they, they, they might not be involved in, in food at all. You know, maybe they sell whatever, but uh, there's a vibe between their culture and our culture. You guys emulate that that one top entrepreneurial success that I think differentiates success from failure, and that's passion. Oh, yeah. I listen to you guys talk. I listen to the way, you know, you, you talk about the people you work with. How do you maintain that passion day in, day out? Yeah, I think you have to be a bit crazy, to be honest with you. Yeah. <laughs> like, you just have to, I, I, we wake up every morning and it's like a challenge. Okay, well, what are we going to do today? Like, how are we going to move the company forward? And, I, I, you know, it's funny, like, the other day were, me and Joe were talking, like, we don't take vacations. And it's not because we're like, oh, we don't want to take vacations. It's just, we like what we do, you know? So when we come to work, we're like, well, what's the new challenge that day? And that's what drives us. So uh, is that, so is that ex expansion fueled by this passion to continue to do? You never get comfortable. You never stay in the environment. We that you do that. Before. We have a model. You you never want to be comfortable. Uh, you always want to be on edge. There's always going to be something going on. And when you get comfortable, that's when you start to worry. Yeah, I, if I was bored, I'd be nervous, right? <laughs> or asleep, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. How, so how do, you how do you translate that? How do you get that across to the team? How do you maintain that sense of we need to keep pushing well, the that's, envelope? Well, that's actually a huge challenge uh, that we're, you know, we're facing is as we're growing, hopefully to 200 employees one day uh, across Canada, is, is how do we get our passion into them in, in the same way that we come out. You know, that's really what the, the, the problem we've had is, is, but I think we're doing a great job. Yeah, I, I also think when people watch you at work and they, they watch you like loving what you do and being excited and passionate, they naturally want to follow that, that, that pattern. Right? We also pay well. <laughs> <laughs> but that only works for so long. Yes. I will say that, you know, uh, payroll is, is a short-term solution yeah, if but you don't we, have we, the right culture. We also, we, we, uh, we feed them too. Um, oh, in that case, <laughs> there you go. Free popcorn, so it's great. You guys seem like fun people to work, but is there a bad cop? Uh, is there a good cop, bad cop? Or, or, or do, you have, do you have the good problem of having employees that, that maybe like you too much sometimes? To be honest with you, we don't really have m many employee problems, really. Like, you know, sometimes there, there hasn't been a fit. And so somebody's maybe stayed with us for a while. Like, they do a stage with us. And then, you know, they learn what they need to learn. And they move But we on. don't want you to force you to work there. Like, yeah. even if we've had employees where, like, they're, they're telling us, that, you know, they had to leave. They're moving on. Yeah. They're, they have to do what they have to do. We just, we want you to be happy like we're happy. And I wouldn't want to stop somebody from, you know, following their dream. Yeah, we've written a lot of reference letters, you know, when they go on to other companies and things like that. It's just like our, our pace of work is really intense. But Fabio's the bad cop, let's just say. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll be honest. Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> it's the lawyer in you. <laughs> yeah, it's the lawyer. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's actually very interesting. I mean, there, there, was a, there was a recent article talking about this whole discussion of being able to take uh, and improve your employee skill sets. So you basically continue to train them and push them to the point where they they're strong enough to move on, but you create a culture and environment that keeps them. Yeah. Right? We've so had employees, they'll, they'll leave and then they'll come right back and say, yeah, this was the best job I've ever yeah, had. Yeah, it's true. It's funny. They actually went because they maybe got like a better, a better salary somewhere else. Right. And then like six months later, like, hey, can I have my job back? Yeah. And we're like, yeah, sure. <laughs> you were great. We didn't want you to leave in the first place. So the, 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 the people aspect of things is I think the more you get, the bigger you get, the more cultural you know, you cross across, the, you get across the country is going to provide some challenges. And, mm -hmm. I, and I think the ability to be able to, uh, to set up shop, if you will, in, in a different province is going to come with its own list of concerns in, in areas. Have you started to target what that's going to be like, or is everything going to stay centralized, localized here in Quebec with you? Uh, well, we're, our home base is, of course, Quebec, but uh, no, we've definitely been branching out, but that's not really a big concern of ours. Our big concern was machinery. Like I said, okay. it was it was getting that machine in place uh, so we can you know keep up with the demand. So now, you know, it's funny, like we get excited for machines now, so it's just... Uh, 
that's something that that passionate about us. So guys, we'll have your one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur in a few minutes. So think about that. Maybe it's a little bit different from last time. We'll see. Uh, and next, we'll talk about HR policies and uh, how to basically solve communications breakdowns within your workplace um, and how to have a disciplined communications approach, uh, even if you're in a crazy bad monkey factory. Uh, that is <laughs> up next. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller-Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Inspiring stories from outstanding business people, Dan Delmar and FL's, uh, not Josh Miller, Michael Newton in for Josh Miller tonight. He's back next week. It's hard to tell the difference, I know. Very different, yeah. yeah. There's a few, couple inches in height, but other yeah. than that. Um, Joseph and Fabio are back from Bad Monkey Popcorn, so we'll have their one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur in a few minutes. But first, we welcome back Micheline Mayette, HR specialist at FL, to talk about internal communication. Welcome back, Micheline. Hi, Dan. So lots of businesses that are growing, especially if you're at the level of Bad Monkeys. Now you have departments, right? And mm -hmm. now the department heads have to talk to each other. Um, what are some basic rules if you're trying to set up that kind of departmental communication strategy? I find it's a complaint I'm hearing more and more. I mean, I think communication within a company is, uh, you know, always difficult to a certain extent. But I'm hearing a lot of complaints like how do you get people to not work in silos as much? Um, and I think it comes down to a lot of its goals. So having common goals, having a common vision within the company that's communicated. And sometimes, you know, without even re realizing it, entrepreneurs can actually set like conflicting priorities for different departments. So, for example, maybe one department is keeping clients super happy, providing high quality, and another department's goal is on like, cutting costs or something like that. doesn't mean you can't do both, but sometimes it's in, you know, the values that you're going to portray of like, how do you want, how is this okay to do this? Like, how do you uh, see people doing this in a way that's coherent and that they can still work together? I find it interesting because we live in a time of massive communication, whether it's social media, we are constantly bombarded. It's amazing how people don't actually say anything. Mm. You know, I mean, they can yeah. be working next to each other. They can talk all day and not actually say anything. And mm. I think this is the hard part because I think if you look at the amount of communication today versus 20 years ago and 30 years ago, mm. within our organizations, it's huge. It's up, you know, exponentially, but it's still not enough. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously sharing the purpose and having people work towards common goals and even communicating. And often we communicate a goal to one department, but the other, other departments don't even know what they're working on, for example. So it can create kind of like a tribalism a little bit where everybody's saying, oh, well, my client has this need, so you need to do this. You know, this is my project, but it's not really my client and my project. It's the company's client, the company's project. So to remember that you're doing everything kind of in the common good and not just for your own personal interests is a big one. So one of the things we're starting to hear more and more is internal communications people, mm. you know, trying to, to not only find the fact that we would communicate with each other, but actually bringing on communications people to work within larger organizations. Mm -hmm. um, are you starting to see that a little bit more out in the industry? Um, I, I'm seeing, especially HR can be asked to do a lot of internal communications, but sometimes they'll actually have a marketing person doing internal communications as well. Um, I mean, it's good to have formal communication, like ways that people can formally communicate information. But personally, I find to get rid of the silos is really having people know each other. And it's not always that easy in a bigger company, but to have as many moments as possible you know, social activities, projects where people have to collaborate together who don't usually get to work together. 
it's a lot harder to kind of backstab, you know, your friend who you get along with and just had a drink with at the last company cocktail than with a stranger whose name you only see in an email. So I think that's part of it, too, is creating those bonds. Mike, you mentioned uh, the increasing number of internal comm specialists. Uh, with our PR business, we're finding more and more inquiries in the HR space. Do you find yourself being more conscious of public communication tactics within organizations? Because previously, even 10 years ago, no one really cared how you talk to your employees. It is definitely very important to see what it is the message, like what message it is that you want portrayed, how do you want to say it in a way, how do you want to roll it out. So sometimes companies won't think about it. Maybe they'll just send out a, a new policy, but they didn't test it on certain groups. The managers had no clue this was coming out and uh, were all shocked by it. Maybe it's something that can't be applied that easily because the people who decide made the decision you know, are not the ones on the ground who have to actually enforce this after. So I think, you know, with all of these issues and with wanting to create better work environments where people are happy to come to work, communication is key for this. Um, just as far as, you know, even getting rid of just small frustration, small irritants that can be present in the workplace. So how, how, how do you get the two-way communication going? Because I find that, you know, I, I, I fall into the older generation category. And, you know, there was a, there was a great article uh, a little while ago in the Harvard Business Review about managing upwards and managing the relationships of the people above you. I mean, traditionally, we look at this and say it's a top-down communication style, where in essence, especially in, in our case, it's a professional services firm. I mean, it's, it should be a two-way street. How do you get that dialogue going how do you get it to not be a, a sermon or a preach and how do you try and get people to both ways to to recognize they have a responsibility in building the communication i think a lot of it boils down to trust so the employee if they want to pass a message to their boss or they want to be able to give them feedback on something i think there's a certain level of trust that's required there i think the younger generation has a lot more ease in doing it it's something i'm seeing more and more and a lot of uh, you know gen xers or especially baby boomers are like oh my god i just hired this employee and they came and gave me feedback on my presentation that i gave last week like what is this you know um but people are more and more comfortable giving feedback that's constructive um, but I'd say in general, most cases, it really, there has to be a certain trust there. So, yeah. And how, and how do you build trust? I mean, it, it's probably <laughs> been one of the key elements to every business of all time is mm -hmm. how do you build that trust? Some people think because my business card says I'm X, Y, Z, I automatically get trust. It's like respect, right? You have to build it. You have to earn it. I think part of it is transparency, um, being true to your values, so being authentic so people know who you are, being honest so that they know that you're trustworthy, keeping your promises. I think these are all uh, good traits that you'd want to find in anybody, really, that you come into contact with, but especially the people that you work with closely every day. Fabio, Joseph, any issues uh, throughout your growth uh, HR-wise that you want to maybe put out there for us? Yeah, I would, I would actually agree. It's communication. Um, it's really not having you know the, the one person do two jobs or two people do one job. It's just really communicating and whether, you know, we, we had a, an employee who just started and actually had a way to make the line faster. She was shy, but then she ended up just knocking on my door and telling me. And, you know, I wrote her a check right away as soon as it worked because, you know, I'm open to that. But not all bosses are like that. Yeah. So we have a type of atmosphere where we, we really, really encourage people to come and see us and, and you know, propose things. Because like you said before, sometimes I'll make a, a suggestion or, you know, I'll give an order that on the ground level doesn't make any sense. And I need, I need to know that, you know. Mm. Unfortunately, when somebody's tried it, so when somebody gives a suggestion, if they feel it's not well received, they'll probably never try again. So that's why it's always important to keep, I think, an open mind and how it's received, even if it's not a good, even if the response is not, uh, you know, a go, 
but just to show that you appreciated it. Absolutely. Mishin Mayet, HR specialist at FL. Thanks so much for stopping by. Thank you. So we're at the end of the show, Mike. Let's uh, Thanks, turn it over that's to the, that's, the, that's the end of my two-week uh, run on the radio. Nice for you to join us. <laughs> uh, we'll see you back here soon. But uh, do, you, do you want to take it away? The last question for... For our so, bad monkeys? So, gentlemen, I think the last question for bad monkeys. Yeah, just so much fun with that I could have. <laughs> um, what's your one piece of advice? What would you What would you give to other entrepreneurs? Uh, well, first off, come see us if you ever need uh, or have any questions. That's number one. We're always here supporting you guys. Um, and the number one thing I would say was try to find a partner um, so you can roll feedback off so you have some somebody to have your back. I think it's something that uh, a lot of people, you know, underestimate is having that guy when you're negative one day and he brings you up and, you know, it's just bringing you up when you're down and vice versa. It's really try to find that partner that's going to have that same passion as you because it really helps out. Perfect. Fabio? I, I completely agree with him. <laughs> wow. That's, that, that, yeah, cool I'm not figure, sure right? that's good or not, but... Uh, but fire... no, that's it. it. Two heads are better than one, right? It's, yeah. You know, it's the old saying. But uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's not easy. You know, not everyone's going to be able to find a brother or a sister to work with. You know, it could be, a, you know, a friend or a former colleague or whatever. But just th that passion is really important. You both have to share it because not every day is going to be easy. Actually, most days are going to be hard. But, you yep. know, when you're both passionate, it certainly helps. What's well, nice to have that situation that Michelin was talking about is that trust. Yes. You have trust, that implicit trust between the two of you, which goes a long way in overcoming a lot of hurdles. And we're good monkeys now. You're good. <laughs> That's a whole different line. <laughs> Thanks for coming back, guys. Joseph and Fabio Zappili, Bad us. Monkey Popcorn. So Congratulations on all your success. We'll ba we're back next week, uh, 7 to 8 here at CJD. Don't forget, a decade worth of entrepreneur profiles, including the first Bad, Mo Bad Monkey show, uh, is at uh, todaysentrepreneur.org. Thank you, Mike. We'll see you back here Thank soon. Thank you, Dan, as always. Have a good night. The opinions expressed in the preceding program were provided for general information purposes only and should not be construed as advice from CJAD 800 or Bell Media. The preceding was sponsored content.